0: What's up, guys and girls? It's Bobby. I'm back, back in Jersey. I uh, just got back on Saturday uh, from my rotation up at Madigan. Uh, so I'm back in New Jersey now, back home for a little bit, but I'm taking off uh, in September to head down to San Antonio to rotate through uh, Bamsey the Brook Army Medical Center, uh, for my next rotation down there. So I'm home for a couple of weeks, so I'm just really glad to be home and crank it back into my normal rhythm of living my life. Uh, not that I say not to say that you know being traveling or being somewhere else is bad. It's just I miss having the routine of being home, having you know my bed, my skier, my living room, my books, my food, my kitchen. Just all the stuff that you kind of take for granted uh, at home that you really appreciate when you're traveling and gone. But uh, today's podcast, I kind want to focus on a little bit about nutrition, give you guys some more information about my approach to nutrition uh, and what we do at Corona in terms of prescribing you guys macro plans and kind of our stance on a lot of nutrition uh, and and fitness. Oh, and a quick shout out to JHM2020 on iTunes. Uh, He left us a five-star review and actually wrote out a review, which I 100% appreciate. Uh, he says, quote, despite the low production value, this podcast is excellent. The unproduced aspect of it almost makes it more enjoyable and personal since it seems like these guys really just want to pass on good information and knowledge just to help other help other out rather than make a book. Soft guys often have eagles through the roof that makes it hard to actually enjoy and relate to anything they say. But these guys seem extremely hum- humble humble and shows in their stories and advice ten out of ten would recommend. So shout out to JHM Twenty Twenty. Uh, we definitely appreciate the feedback. Uh, we'll work on the production value, uh, but no promises. Uh, we do all the recording and editing on our own. Um, we don't want to really outsource a lot of this stuff because we try to cut back costs as much as possible, so that we can pass the savings on to other charities and keep more money for us to really, uh, really donate as needed. Um, so. That's why our production value probably isn't the best, but uh, I'm really glad that you appreciate that we seem genuine, and that's really what we want to give to you guys and you guys take away is that we care about what we do, and we really want you guys to get better. So shout out to JHM Twenty Twenty for leaving us that review. You get your reviews in. Uh, we'll probably read them out on the podcast uh, and kind of respond to them as needed. Uh, Before I get started though, quick shout out to Paragon Recovery. Um, They have helped me out immensely during my rotation. Uh, I was taking their sleep supplement almost every other night, just helping me get to sleep at night and helping me wind down. Uh, I was relatively stressed out during this rotation because it was was an audition rotation. So uh, what that that means is that I had to be on my best behavior uh, in the hospital to really show the, the residents and the attendings, the faculty, that I really belonged uh, at that hospital. So I was kind of stressed out, wasn't sleeping the greatest, but night gains really helped me get me to sleep and help me stay asleep and get a good night's sleep just so I can show up each day uh, mentally recovered and ready uh, for the day's academic endeavors, so to speak. So without further ado, let's get started on today's podcast. So I'm going to run through a quick uh, outline I want to talk about, talk about nutrition, so about nutrition, you guys some recommendations and basic information about the macronutrients uh, which are our proteins carbs and fats and then moving on a little bit into a little discussion on micronutrients uh, such as vitamins and minerals i'll close out the nutrition with some supplementation uh, and things that we can do for supplementation and i'll finish out with this of the q with a Q&A, uh, based on some questions that you guys asked on our recovery or not our recovery but uh, so close out with some uh, questions from my QA and a that we posted onto our Instagram a couple of weeks ago. Basically, I was just looking for some other things that uh, you guys are interested in and want me to talk about. So I'll talk a little bit about some of these um, other questions that are brought up. So first, let's get started. Uh, let's talk about some basic information about nutrition in terms of macronutrients, calories, and kind of what it all means. Uh, so 1st I let's start with, with caloric intake. So our caloric intake uh, is super variable. It depends on each person, your body type, um, your own metabolism, and most importantly, your your, uh, lean body mass and your daily energy expenditures. So everyone uh, has a variable amount of lean body mass, which is the muscle that we have in our bodies. And the more muscle we have, the more energy is required to kind of keep it there. So then the higher our resting metabolic rate will be. Uh, in addition, our activity level plays a huge deal into how many calories you burn. But it doesn't play as much of a factor as our resting metabolic rate, which is based on our lean body mass. So the more lean body mass you have, the higher uh, metabolic demands you have from an energy perspective. So as a result, you need more calories in order to maintain homeostasis or maintain uh, the weight. Uh, but as you're smaller, you don't have as much lean body mass. So you don't need as many calories at a baseline uh, to maintain. So this kind of plays into a lot of our uh, calorie requirements for whether we're cutting, bulking, or just maintaining. There are a lot of calculators online to kind of figure out how what is your um, total daily expenditure, energy expenditure rate. Um, but I, it's a discussion. I don't really want to get into too much. Um, but something that if you guys are interested, definitely Google online to see... Uh, Basically, what your um, recommended energy intake in is just to maintain homeostasis. Uh, So that's our number one predictor of our daily cloak requirements as our total uh, lean body mass. Our second biggest requirement is our activity level. So uh, this is how much you're training a day, how many calories you're burning in your training. And this is kind of a trap that people kind of fall into is overestimating the total energy expenditure from training. Um, we have our fitness wearables and uh, kind of like our uh, tools to help tell uh, give us an idea of how many calories you're burning. But a lot of these tools aren't very accurate. Uh, like the, for example, like the Apple Watch or Whoopstrap, they'll tell you how many calories you burn, but all these calories are dependent on um, your heart rate. So it depends on each person too, it's like uh, activity you're doing and how intense the activity is. So for example. If you're not in the best shape uh, and you run two miles, it takes you like 15 minutes to run two miles because you're not in good shape. But your heart rate's at like 150 uh, because you're not in good shape. So as a result, the device will tell you you're burning something like I don't know, like 500 calories for running two miles over 30 minutes. But if you think about it like logically, do you really think you're burning 500 calories in 30 minutes by running two miles? Probably not, because it's over-exaggerated because your heart rate's exaggerated. So that's like kind of the fatal flaw behind a lot of the fitness trackers, and telling you how much calories you burn in your activity. Uh, so I try not to look at that. Uh, I don't really use wearables to tell me my calories, calories burn. Rather, I kind of look at uh, daily and weekly trends and body weight to kind of figure out where uh, body weight and how much calories you should be intaking. But I'll talk a little bit more about this later. Uh, when I talk about putting it all together. So based on caloric, retire, uh, based on caloric requirements and your resting metab- metabolic rate, you can kind of come up with your um, some general guidelines in terms of total calories uh, for what you're trying to do. So as a general guideline recommendation for cutting, uh, I recommend generally speaking 10 to 15 calories per pound of body weight. And this is total pounds per body weight just to make it easier uh, to calculate. So for a 200-pound dude, uh, you're looking at about 200 calories a day for cutting. Uh, and when we're cutting, we want to lose about 0.5 to one percent of our body mass uh, total body mass each week. Cutting too drastically um, isn't the most efficient way or best for your health. Um, same thing with bulking too dirtily. Uh, if you're gaining too much, too fast, uh, there's a good chance you're not gaining uh, any muscle and it's just all gonna be fat. So, with bulking we're looking about twenty five calories plus per pound of body weight so for a twenty pound guy you're looking about like or for a 200 hundred pound guy you're looking about five thousand calories ish to bulk as far as maintenance goes uh we're looking about fifteen to twenty calories per pound body weight uh, but then just to reiterate this is all based on your uh individual resting metabolic rate and your total daily energy and expenditures. And to further put in perspective, uh, one pound of body fat is about 3,500 calories. So if you imagine you're, you're trying to cut um, one pound of body fat, you need to burn 3,500 calories to burn one pound of body fat. So if you kind of average that out for a week, um, one pound of body fat uh, is like 500 calories about by seven days, you need to burn about 500 extra calories a day. So that means you're at a 500, cal- cal- 500 caloric deficit each day of the week. In order to burn one pound of body fat for a week so usually you can kind of see how um, if you're cutting very drastically how you might end up cutting more than just body fat uh, when you're cutting and ending up losing a lot of gains so this example would be like um, so that's why we recommend 0.5 to 1% body weight per week cutting because if you're a 200 pound guy you're looking at cutting one to two pounds per week Um, so if you're cutting one pound of fat you're already at a 500 caloric Deficit per day for cutting two pounds of fat per week, you're looking at, at being at a thousand caloric deficit per day in order to, count, to cut that much fat. Um, and there's more science, and like that's just, but that's just generally speaking how it uh, shakes out from a math perspective. So from our from our calories, we can calculate our calories per day by breaking them up into our three individual macronutrients, which are our proteins, our fats, and our carbs. Of these three, uh, I'm going to break down each individual and talk a little bit about individually and some recommendations for each. So for our purposes, uh, from a strength and conditioning perspective, uh, proteins are our most important macronutrient. Uh, This is because with uh, physical training, we are breaking down a lot of of muscle tissue. uh, And as a result, when we break down muscle tissue, we need this muscle tissue to recover. So we need proteins to help us with that. What proteins do for us? uh, We intake proteins, whether it's from meat, from whey protein, or other supplements. What our body does? We take the proteins and break them down into individual amino acids in our gut. And then when these individual amino acids are broken down in our gut, they're absorbed through our gut uh, and then go into our our bloodstream, where they're uptaked, uh, taken up, and take it reuptaked by the cells where they're needed. Uh, most notably the muscle cells, but every cell in our body needs proteins. Um, these amino acids uh, are used to make other proteins. Are used to uh, for cellular signaling and also sorts cellular demands that uh, occur uh, when we train. So, protein is the most important macronutrient, not from an energy perspective, but more so from a amino acid and building block perspective. Uh, protein itself is a very poor uh, supplier of energy, just because it goes through very very many and very complicated uh, metabolic pathways in order to release energy and that's just not a very efficient way for a body to produce energy from proteins. So we take proteins primarily just for a recovery and muscle building slash cell building perspective. So in order to do that, we need at least one gram per pound of body weight and that's total body weight. Uh, There are a lot of different recommendations out there uh, based on the activity level, your strengths, your sport specifically. Uh, but as a general rule of thumb, we want about 1 gram per pound of body weight. Uh, generally, also generally speaking, some people talk about uh, an upper limit to protein absorption and metabolism uh, based on what I've read is that it doesn't really exist and that um, our body is going to absorb the protein uh, and amino acids regardless of how much you put into it. So this means that if you take like 60 grams of protein in a protein shake, your body is still going to absorb the majority of it. Uh, mostly because you think about it, our small intestines, uh, it's about 30 feet long. Uh, this is where our uh, nutrients are absorbed primarily. So um, it, while all the amino acids might not be absorbed in the first five feet of our intestine, it'll probably be absorbed by the time uh, it passes through our small intestines and into our colons. So I don't really buy into the whole upper limit or a max amount of absorbable protein per meal. And then uh, this one gram per pound body weight is uh, a little bit more variable in the fact that if you're cutting um, or cutting really intensely, you want to uh, increase your protein uh, requirements to about 1.25 to 1.5 grams per pound body weight. This is because when we're cutting, our body wants to reduce some of the protein or some of the muscle mass that we have in order to reduce our metabolic uh, requirements. Uh, as a result, we want to increase the protein, uh, increase our protein intake in order to help uh, convince our body that we ha- do get enough uh, protein. So it's in our best interest to keep the muscle mass around instead of cutting the muscle mass uh, to conserve energy. As far as carbohydrates, this is our number two most important macronutrient. Uh, carbs are um, a our body is pretty much preferred energy source regardless of what you believe in in terms of nutrition perspective. Uh, carbohydrates are all grouped together uh, based on their structure. so uh, carbohydrates they all contain carbon, hydrogen and oxygen atoms uh, arranged in a certain matter uh, that are contain a lot of high energy bonds uh, that we can u- that our body uses to produce energy. So per gram of carbohydrate, we get four calories per gram of carbohydrate, which is the same as what we get with our proteins. Uh, this sh- uh, carbohydrates also can be called sugars. Uh, sugars can are def- sugars are called carbohydrates, but so are other a lot of things that we hear like starches um, are also considered carbohydrates. And basically, what carbohydrates do, uh, they get broken down in our in our bodies. Uh, into glucose, uh, and then these sugars, like glucose, are then uh, metabolized and taken up by our cells, in which the glucose is then used to form glycogen, which is the long term storage form of glucose. And as we exercise or do any physical activity, the body takes glycogen and breaks it down into individual glucose uh, molecules, which is then used in metabolism to produce energy. So as a result, uh, glucose and glycogen, uh, by default, is our body's preferred uh, energy substrate uh, for exercise because it's, one, very quickly, uh, readily accessible, and two, our muscle cells and our liver store a lot of glycogen um, that can supply up to an about an hour's worth of uh, moderate to high-intensity physical uh, activity. Um, like with uh, training, some people say that your, your liver can burn or holds about one to two pounds of glycogen uh, inside of it. Um, so when you're training, our body is releasing this uh, glucose, uh, breaking down this glycogen and releasing it as glucose uh, to feed our muscles uh, as we uh, are training. So these glycogen stores in our body last for about 90 minutes to two hours uh, before we uh, will, generally speaking, hit a wall. Um, I don't know if you guys r- will remember if you're ever like doing like a ruck or a long distance run where you'll uh, where you'll hit that wall or a zonk, I think is what they call it in the endurance community where you're pretty much just uh, exhaust all your uh, carbohydrate stores and are pretty much just scrambling to get energy in. Uh, as a result, you kind of hit a wall and you're physically you're so fatigued that you aren't able to continue training or whatever activity you're doing. So that's how important uh, glucose and carbohydrates are because these are what our body uses to produce our storage form of glucose, uh, glycogen, uh, which then fuels our moderate to high-intensity exercise. Then as far as requirements for carbohydrates, uh, it really depends on what state uh, we are in. Uh, Carbohydrates are our more flexible um, macronutrient in that there isn't like a blanket statement in terms of recommendations for how much to get in per day. And it really depends on your activity level and what your goal is in terms of bulking or cutting. Uh, because carbohydrates are basically our flex, quote-unquote flex uh, macronutrient, and that we use carbohydrates to fill in our caloric requirements for cutting or bulking. So for we're cutting, uh, generally speaking, we're about 0.75 to 1 gram per pound body weight maintaining you're looking at one to two grams per pound body weight and bulking you're looking at three plus grams per pound body weight Uh, like i said we use these uh, carbs to fill in the calories needed between our fats and proteins to round out our nutritional profile for the day and last uh, the last macronutrient i'm going to talk about is fat fat is uh, nine calories per gram of fat uh, fats are used in our body uh, primarily for cell membrane health and to produce hormones. Um, they're not necessarily the preferred energy source uh, in our body, even though our body has the most fat available. Uh, it's not the most preferred source for moderate to high intensity because fat um, is very slow burning and that it requires multiple steps in, the metab- in metabolism in order to produce energy through things like beta-oxidation. Uh, so, if your body is used to using fat as a fuel source, e.g., for your keto, um, this can be a decent fuel source for long-term endurance, uh, for endurance events. But in moderate to high-intensity training, keto and a high-fat diet is actually not the most efficient way of training, uh, of not training, but most efficient way of getting your nutrients, uh, uh, your supplementation and nutrients in. Uh, so, generally speaking, for fat, for our purposes, we need about 0.5 to 0.75 grams per pound body weight. And generally speaking, this just makes us feel better. Uh, when we're in low fat states, uh, we generally don't feel as as good um, because uh, fats are used primarily in making hormones uh, such as testosterone, estrogen, cortisol. Uh, pretty much all our hormones uh, are in our body. Uh, the majority them are used are fat precursor molecules that are then metabolized to form our our hormones Uh, so when we don't get enough fats in we actually feel even worse in terms of fatigued and run down because we're just not able to produce the hormones that our body needs to function properly and efficiently so just to summarize real fast uh, we have the three macronutrients we have carbohydrates proteins and fats carbohydrates and proteins uh, are four grams are four calories per gram and fat is 9 calories per gram. Um, for proteins, we want 1 gram per pound body weight. For fats, we want 0.5 to 0.75 grams per pound body weight. And then carbs, we kind of fill in the rest based on what we need in terms of our total caloric requirements. All right, shifting from macronutrients, I'm going to talk a little bit about micronutrients and uh, vitamins and minerals that we get. Uh, so as far as my perspective and our perspective from Cronus, we don't really subscribe to a lot of supplementation. Uh, we believe in a whole foods approach to nutrition in terms of eating uh, green leafy vegetables, colorful vegetables, colorful fruits. Uh, and that's where we derive most of our nutrients from, uh, from the micronutrients from our diet. Uh, as far as multivitamins go, there's conflicting evidence on the absorption and utilization of these, macro- uh, of these uh, multivitamin supplements. Uh, It turns out their body actually prefers to absorb uh, Nutrients and vitamins from food rather than from a huge bolus so to speak from a multivitamin as a result We don't really I don't personally don't really believe in multivitamin support because uh, you should be getting all the uh, your vitamins from your diet uh, based on a well-rounded diet so uh, We don't really recommend a multivitamin however Uh, We do believe in some mineral supplementation. Uh, Minerals are a little bit different from vitamins. Both vitamins and minerals are considered micronutrients, uh, and these are important cofactors used in enzymes and cellular metabolism inside our bodies. So we actually do need minerals and vitamins, but we should be getting most of our vitamins from our diet, from whole leafy green vegetables and bright-colored vegetables and fruits. But as far as minerals go, minerals are a little bit harder to get into our food. Uh, a lot of foods aren't very high in minerals unless you're talking about like very green leafy vegetables, um, like ground starches like potatoes uh, and beans. Uh, these these uh, food groups are typically higher in minerals. Uh, so in order to get a lot of mineral supplementation, I actually add salt into my diet, like a lo- decent amount of salt in my diet. I usually use this pink Himalayan sea salt. Uh, very high in minerals and I just add that to pretty much every meal I eat and I even add it to water and drink uh, salt water before I go to bed and when I wake up in the mornings to kind of uh, get my day started it gives me some more minerals into my uh, diet and I found that that to be pretty effective uh, I feel better actually with using uh, adding salt to my diet and I don't mean adding like table salt like the fine, um like regular salt packets you need to find a high quality all natural, uh, high mineral content pink salt. Then adding this, uh, adding salt to your diet will help out. Just um, also from a hydration perspective, um, without getting too deep into why what it does, but waterfall salt. So basically, when you have high salt content inside your blood, you're actually increasing the volume inside your blood uh, by increasing the water content in your blood, uh, which then helps your body to. Uh, be more adaptable, and and, uh, get more blood uh, volume. So as far as supplements go, we don't uh, recommend a multivitamin. Uh, We don't recommend BCAAs. Uh, BCAAs, or branched-chain amino acids, are popularized because people think it helps with recovery. Uh, Generally speaking, as long as you're getting your total protein requirement, uh, so the 1 gram per pound body weight, there is absolutely zero need to supplement BCAAs. Uh, I mean, unless you like the taste or you think you like the hydration, uh, the science as far as muscle health and regeneration and recovery isn't there and that it actually might reduce some of the, um, might reduce our ability to absorb amino acids because uh, there's a theory out there that if you intake BCAAs, these BCAAs will actually uh, clog up the uh, transport molecules in your gut and so the proteins that you absorb or that you ingest through like your diet, such as like meats, your body actually isn't able to absorb these proteins, uh, which are complete sources of protein amino acids, uh, and you actually reduce your uh, body's ch- ability to absorb them. Uh, so BCAAs might actually be bad for you. Um, however, there are some studies that BCA look at BCAs if you're in a fasted or in a starvation mode. And that they might help with, uh, help retain uh, muscle and help with muscle recovery, Uh, but I think it's a pretty select population, and not doesn't really apply to us. Um, So if you're fasting, or using intermittent fasting, BCAAs might be a good supplement. But otherwise, if you're not fasting and just doing the normal diet, no need to take BCAAs. Uh, Another thing we do recommend is vitamin D. Uh, Vitamin D uh, is generally absorbed by your skin from the sun. Uh, It's a pretty complex series of biochemical changes uh, from UV lights hitting your skin. Uh, I don't remember all the steps off the top of my head, um, but basically you need about 15 to 30 minutes a day of direct sunlight on uh, about one half of your body's skin to produce your daily needs of vitamin D and unless you're like living uh on the beach there's a very good chance that nobody is hitting that requirement so as a result we definitely recommend using a vitamin d supplement to supplement some of the uh, sunlight that you should have gotten during the day but being in a western society we don't often or aren't often outside so as a result definitely get a vitamin d supplement and supplement with that uh as far as protein supplementation i like whey i don't Believe there's any big difference between any of the ways. I mean, like, like whey isolate versus regular whey versus like hydrolyzed whey. It doesn't really make a difference, to be honest. Uh, the all the hydrolyzation and filtration, all it does is break down the whey proteins into smaller fragments, which then make it easier to release amino acids into your body. Uh, going back to our previous discussion about proteins, there's not really a need um, to. Break or release amino acids as soon as possible, as as soon as you ingest them, because uh, at at the end of the day, your body still can absorb all the amino acids uh, from proteins uh, that your body needs. So there's no real need to have it to pay that extra like 30 bucks to get the extreme hydrolyzed whey or whatever it is. Uh, Just a basic whey supplement is fine. We also recommend using a casein supplement at night. So casein is a protein uh, derived from milk. Basically, it is a longer uh, branch chain protein that takes basically takes longer to break down. Uh, basically, forms like a pudding-type substance or like a gel-like substance in your gut, uh, in your stomach, and it slowly gets dissolved, uh, and the amino acids are slowly re- released. So we recommend casein at night before you go to sleep because it provides a longer, steady state. Uh, release of amino acids to help your body with recovery so kind of putting it all together um, I kind of mentioned already so we want 1 gram per pound of body weight for protein 0.5 to 0.75 grams per pound body weight of fat and variable for carbs just filling in the caloric requirements needed uh, for our day um, as far as nutrient timing goes uh, some people ask about nutrient timing and what they should do around the workouts Uh, The biggest thing around our workouts is to to increase the carbohydrates that we get in because carbohydrates are our primary fuel source for exercise. So prior to training, we kind of want like about 30 to 50 gram um, bolus, so something readily, easily digestible, some fruit uh, or some simple sugars or carbohydrates to kind of give us an energy boost uh, as we go into our workout. Uh, this will increase our blood sugars and then give us a more readily available fu- uh fuel for training, and then after training, we definitely want to replenish our glycogen stores or the glucose stores that we burned off in our bodies from training. Uh, so we want to get another about another thirty to fifty gram bolus of carbohydrates around our training uh, in order to uh, recover faster to repeat or be able to repeat exercise. Um, as far as an- the anabolic window, quote-unquote anabolic window that bodybuilders talk about, uh, I don't really buy into it. Um, this finally kind of falls into the discussion we had about your body absorbing all the requirements that our uh, body needs for the day. So at the end of the day, our body is going to get all everything it needs based on our whole day nutrition, and our whole day nutrition is probably more important than our 30-minute post-workout nutrition. Um Logically, you can kind of make the argument that insulin uh, and eating something with carbohydrates releases insulin, uh, which then increases the uptake into our cells. So it could help with recovery, uh, but I don't think the anabolic window is 100% uh, a necessary thing. You shouldn't really um, feel like you have to get in a protein shake or food in after a workout. Um, you want to get in at some point, but it doesn't have to be like immediately after working out. Uh, Mostly you want a protein, so about 20 to 30 grams of protein and about 30 to 50 grams of carbs just to replenish and to help increase the recovery and get the recovery going post workout. All right, so moving on into our Q&A session. So these are based on the questions that some of you guys sent in on our Instagram Q&A that I'll talk a little bit more about. So the first question that people bring up all the time is keto. And what is keto and should we be doing keto? So, um, I'll give a little bit of history about keto. So, keto was developed, um, I think, like the last 10 years, but it was primarily developed for epilepsy. Uh, Basically, what researchers in science found is that ketones uh, and ketone bodies are actually the preferred energy source for our brain. Uh, our brain actually isn't the most efficient with carbohydrates like glucose, and in fact, ketone bodies are are very efficient for our brain and actually can increase our brain's uh, functionality. So that's kind of a, that's where keto the diet keto came from from epileptic children and people with epilepsy trying to prevent seizures from happening because of uh, using ketones helped uh, prevent their, their brain from having seizures. Uh, but as time went on, they kind of found out that these people who are on keto diets for the epilepsy actually lost weight. Um, so they kind of spurred, uh, the debate that should be doing keto for weight loss. Um, as far as science goes, um, the biggest thing with keto is that you are eating high fats, uh, proteins and then zero or no carbs, like less than 25 grams per carb a day. So that means like you are, that's like like a handful of spinach is like 25 grams of carbs a day so you're not eating like any vegetables you're just primarily eating um, high fats and proteins Uh, so basically your fat it becomes your primary fuel source because uh, fat is used in beta oxidation which then produces ketone bodies which can be used as a fuel source uh, particularly in the brain but as far as training and exercise goes keto is not and i repeat keto is not the preferred diet for high performing exercise or uh, high performance exercise or training, because keto uh, produces ketone bodies and ketone bodies are not the preferred energy source in our bodies and our muscle cells uh, when we're exercising. If you want to lose weight, uh, keto can be a great uh, diet mechanism to lose weight. But I almost a hundred percent promise you, you won't feel good doing keto and training intensely like we do. Uh, Keto falls into what I call a restriction diet. Uh, As far as diets go, there are multiple ways that you can kind of uh, attack your caloric gains. Um, Pretty much to lose weight, you just have to be in a caloric deficit. Uh, Whether that's in keto, whether that's intermittent fasting, whether that's Atkins, whether that's um, a, a vegan diet, all the diets work because of the fact you're at a caloric deficit, you're not eating as much, and that's how you lose weight. I guarantee you if you do keto and you eat 5,000 calories a day in butter, you're going to gain weight. There's no, like, you can't argue the fact that keto helps you lose weight. It's not keto that helps you lose weight. It's the fact that you're, one, watching what you eat, and two, being uh, in a caloric deficit that causes you to lose weight. So a lot of people have uh, recommended keto because it's kind of an easier way to, Mm -hmm. Um, to restrict your diet because you're just cutting out all carbohydrates. And carbohydrates are pretty much the easiest way to, we have hidden calories in our diet that cause us to gain weight. Uh, There is, however, a role perhaps for keto and endurance athletes. Um, The way I imagine fats is that fat is like a, a big log. Uh, So, it takes a while to get started, to light up, but once the log gets burning, it burns for a long time. And fat's kind of like that. Um, Once you get fat burning, uh, it takes a while for your body to get used to that, but then once it gets going, it kind of burns for a while, pretty long. Uh, The contrast would be like carbohydrates, which I would call as like gas uh, or fuel. Basically, it takes only a little bit to get started, but once it gets started, it burns really fast for really, uh, really hot, really fast. But then slowly uh, and very quickly diminishes, and that's kind of like a carbohydrates as a fuel source. Um, so keto in- endurance athletes could be very beneficial in that uh, we're tapping into our body's ability to burn energy uh, for a long time, and that um, once we are used to burning fat, uh, this. Uh, it's called being fat adapted. If you're fat adapted that uh, can help you to actually perform better in endurance events where you're like doing something at like a 60% intensity for hours at a time. Uh, so it doesn't really help us with high intensity training, uh, but it can be very beneficial in low intensity endurance training. As far as intermittent fasting goes, this falls back into our diet mechanism of restriction. Uh, this is a restriction diet where you basically only eat for X amount of hours a day, uh, depending on which scheme you follow. The most common scheme is like an 18-hour fast followed by 6-hour feed uh, every day. Basically, you're just cutting out calories between uh, the, your fasting periods and then feeding uh, you get all your calories in. And intermittent fasting works just like keto in the fact that you're restricting your, the amount of calories that you can fit into your body in a given day. Um, so the 18-hour fast followed by six-hour feed um, kind of forces you to, one, be cognizant of what you are eating because you have to get in all your nutrients in uh, the six-hour feeding window. And then, two, it also causes us and forces us to kind of be more cognizant of our mind, mindless snacking that we kind of do throughout the day, which can be a significant source of calories uh, and can contribute to weight gain. So, like I said, the biggest reason why keto and intermittent fasting work is because, um, not because of some physiological super adaptation that occurs with um, using these diets, but it's more so just because you are limiting your calories in, and as a result, that causes you to lose weight. There's some interesting research in that keto uh, intermittent fasting helps promote autophagy, which is our body's. Um, Basically, our, our cells' ability to digest other cells uh, and clean up other cells. So there's like interesting hypothesis, uh, hypotheses that state uh, intermittent fasting helps with recovery because it h- forces our body to um, consume itself essentially, uh, consume the, the uh, inefficient or dead molecule or dead cells in our body for energy. Uh, so there's some interesting science that show that tells us that it's good for brain health and other things, but. Um, as far as performance goes, intermittent fasting could be good and could not be good. So it really just depends on like what your goals are, uh, and if your personality type that is able to not eat for sixteen hours a day, and then, or not eat for eighteen hours a day and then crush food for six hours, that's fine. I mean, I don't think it ne- really negatively affects performance, but it can neg- negatively affect performance uh, by hindering your ability to recover after multiple training sessions. But if you're only training once a day. Uh, I don't think intermittent fasting is a bad thing. Uh, there's some pretty cool, like, uh, proposed benefits to it. Uh, but as far as multiple training, uh, train multiple times a day at high intensity, uh, it's probably not the best uh, solution for us. And this is coming from me. I did intermittent fasting for like two or three years beforehand, uh, I enjoyed it. But I also uh, am also kind of a lazy person, and I really needed that restriction and forced restriction to kind of make me not eat a bunch of bullshit at a time. Uh, so it helped me out a great deal because I need that uh, restriction in my life. Uh, moving on to cheat meals, uh, we have guys ask us uh, about cheat meals and whether or not we believe in cheat meals. Uh, personally, I don't think you need a cheat meal, but... If you want to it probably won't hurt but the issue is long-term uh, caloric balance so I don't know if you guys have ever seen like the infographics of like you being at like a caloric deficit of 500 calories a day during the work week and then one cheat day can undo that or basically knock you out of that negative caloric balance and then cause you to um, kind of undo all the cutting and diet that you did throughout the week by one night uh, so I think cheat days and cheat meals can be a very destructive habit um, by telling yourself it's okay to cheat, um, but as far as a mental benefit, I don't think it neg- really negatively affects you if you need the, like a day where you tell yourself, hey, it's okay to eat some ice cream or it's okay to have a piece of cake because I want this and, pe- and then I'm um, really going to enjoy this. We shouldn't approach cheat meals as a reward for cutting or a reward for dieting throughout the week because that kind of uh, enforces a negative mentality into dieting, that we're dieting for um, for results and that and dieting for rewards instead of dieting because we want to look good. Uh, so that's kind of my thing on cheat meals. Uh, I think Rob Schaub uh, from Mountain Tactical Institute recommends cheat meals because he says that um, after a cheat meal, it kind of reinforces the importance of eating healthy and eating well and cleanly. Uh, because generally speaking, you feel like shit after a cheat meal. Uh, I'm guilty of this myself. Like, I, I, I'm human, and I love ice cream and brownies and cake and cookies as much as the next guy. But every time I eat this shit, I always feel terrible after I eat it. Like, not, like, emotionally terrible, but physically I just feel sick and I don't feel well. Um, So, this is a good... Cheating can be a good way of reinforcing to ourselves why we need to eat clean and eat well because um, unless you're uh, eating sugar every day in your diet, which you shouldn't be, uh, but when we do eat like really processed sugars and fats, we generally speaking feel like shit uh, and really reinforces to us the importance of eating well, uh, not only from feeling well, but also performing well as well. Uh, Tips for a defect or busy schedule. Uh, I'll admit that I don't really'm not the professional on defect eating. The only times I eat in defect were when I was deployed. Um, but uh, as far as defects go, I think defects are a good resource if you know how to eat at a defect. So what I mean is that you want to look at getting foods that are clean foods like single source uh, single sources of macronutrients so like a single source of protein. A single source of carbohydrates, and then single sources of fats. Uh, generally speaking, defects suck in terms of the foods are all processed to hell, uh, and they're all shitty like reheated and microwaved meals. But there are always uh, healthier alternatives in the defect. Whether that's a salad bar and finding some chicken breasts on the salad bar, finding some eggs on the chicken uh, on the salad bar, and then finding uh, like just like vegetables on the salad bar. Uh, you want to stick to like steamed vegetables or fresh vegetables or raw vegetables that are minimally processed. Um, but generally speaking, you want to stick to minimally processed foods in general when you're eating the defect because uh, as you process foods, like you cook them or fry them, you always add some more calories, whether that's fat or oils into the food. They don't really take into account when you're eating it. So as far as defects go, look for single sources of of proteins, like uh, like grilled chicken. Um, Boil like uh, like uh, boiled eggs, um, and uh, like just chicken, uh, or it's like lean cuts of meat or steak. Uh, definitely avoid anything that's fried. Avoid a lot of baked things. Uh, baking, especially in the d fat, is just when they cover it in oil and put it in the hot and pretty much cooking in oil in the oven. So you kind of gain a lot of oil and fats uh, from baking stuff. And then eating lots of vegetables, uh, like whether it's raw vegetables or steamed vegetables or boiled vegetables, uh, minimally processed with no oils. And then as far as carbohydrates, you're looking for either rice, you're looking for potatoes, nothing fried. I say get nothing fried or processed. You want either boiled rice, steamed rice, uh, boiled potatoes. Don't get like mashed potatoes. Mashed potatoes are like filled with fats. Um, just single, pretty much like clean sources of carbohydrates and as far as fats go you can get like olive oil um, but i would try to actually really avoid getting fats from a defect because you have no idea how much fat is in whatever you're doing Uh, so i would just stick the nuts or uh, like peanut butters or nut butters um, for our fat source outside of the defect if you have a busy schedule uh, i'm a huge proponent in meal prepping Uh, my routine is that on Sundays I will cook about 10 to anywhere between 10 to 20 meals, depending on how many, uh, meal prep containers I have. And then I freeze, uh, about 75% of my pre-made meals in the freezer. And I slowly break them out during the week as I needed for, as I need them for, uh, lunch or dinner, uh, or even breakfast too. Uh, this, uh, I know people like think it's a shit ton of work, but let's break it down from a time wise so on Sundays I cook about 20 meals Uh, it takes me about three hours to cook 20 meals Uh, so three hours for 20 meals think about um, how many that how many minutes that is per meal so uh, three hours is about 200 minutes so that's about 10 minutes per meal uh, that I'm cooking for whereas during the work week if you think about it cooking dinner might take like 30 minutes to an hour and that's just for one meal so I'm saving Anywhere between uh, 20 minutes to 50 minutes per meal by meal prepping on weekends. Uh, this is just a habit that I highly recommend because it will, one, save you time, two, saves you money, and three, it will help you keep you true to your diet and your macros because you're not buying a bunch of bullshit. Uh, you're not buying fast food because it's convenient. You're not buying or going out to eat because it's convenient and you don't feel like cooking. This forces you to eat the meals that you already made and it forces you to stick to your diet and your macros. Uh, so for those with have a busy diet or a busy schedule, I highly, highly, highly recommend meal prepping and doing all your cooking on the weekends and then breaking them out during the week to eat them during the week to save you time, money, and keep you consistent with your diet. Uh, and then finally, we got a question about eating for extended operations. Um, for uh, example, if you're deployed, and eating for um, like missions where you're outside for 24 to 36 hours uh, patrolling. Uh, so as far as this goes, you really want to avoid eating big, heavy meals um, Like from an MRE. You don't want to eat like, an MRE every 8 hours. Instead what you want to do is kind of graze throughout the day. Um, and then uh, with that in mind, like consuming your high caloric items, um, generally speaking, uh kind of in between high intensity periods what that means is like you want to uh, eat the very high caloric like high fat or high protein items um, when you're not really uh, operating too much so to speak this is because it takes uh, it actually takes energy in our bodies to break down uh, fats and proteins and metabolize them so uh, if we're in a high stress state, our body is naturally not going to be able to be the most efficient at digesting our food. Um, so if you're eating like something really heavy uh, when you're really stressed out or if you're like, in the middle of doing an operation, uh, it's probably not gonna one, digest very well and two, probably gonna make you feel really bloated and, and not feel well. Instead, stick to like high sugary um, or high carbohydrate items such as like candy around your operations. Just to kind of give you an energy boost, uh, for when you're uh high stressed out, or when you're in a high intensity uh mission um, that you need energy for. Uh, so I think that kind of wraps up everything that I wanted to talk about. Um, as far as nutrition, uh, kind of gave you guys the broad wave tops of nutrition and how uh I believe we should eat. Um, we definitely want to eat our whole foods. Um, that are bright uh, green leafy vegetables um, and beans and garlics and onions. Um, I didn't really get too much in kind of the nitty gritty or the sciencey aspects of our diet Uh, but I think just if you listen to what I talked about and kind of implement some of these recommendations into your uh, daily practice, I think you'll get a lot out of your nutrition and will feel better, perform better, and recover better. Um, so I think I will wrap up this podcast, um, as usual, guys, I am thoroughly grateful for all your listeners and all, all you followers, um, for giving me a platform to kind of share my, um, thoughts and kind of teach back and give back to you guys. Um, there's nothing that I would honestly, uh, prefer doing. I love teaching you guys and kind of sharing some of my experiences and giving, uh, giving back to the community. Uh, so, but as always, we are looking for um, any of things that we can do better. So if you have any criticisms, positive, negative, I don't really care. Uh, both Sean and I have pretty thick skin. Uh, so give us a review, leave us some feedback, let us know what we can do better uh, and what we can do uh, in future episodes and what you guys want to hear from us. Um, as always, uh, I will catch you guys later. Stop, can't stop these static voices Just noises to-